Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that doesn't even believe there should be a trade deadline. If two teams in the NBA Finals want to trade, you know, just a little mid-series swap, why not? Why are we stopping the madam? We should let that happen. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Jake Fisher of Yahoo, a person I've known for quite some time now, uh, who has increasingly become uh, one of the most important voices uh, around the trade deadline around free agency really year round you know 365 days a year you're important jake fisher i don't know if people say that to you enough but you're important so we're just here (laughs) we're just here to talk a little bit about uh believe it or not the trade deadline and um i'll just kick it off with a a very open-ended question that i'm very excited to see where you go with this what is interesting about the dallas mavericks at this trade deadline i think what's interesting is how they have lofty goals and expectations. Not expectations, I shouldn't say. Like, the Mavericks are, are, from my understanding, looking at various options to improve this team both now and for the future around Luka Doncic. And I don't know how many avenues really exist. So um, that's not to besmirch the job that Dallas's front office has done. That's just the case after, um, you know, they're asset cupboard is a little bit dry still from the Kristaps Porzingis trade um, and losing Jalen Brunson for nothing in free agency certainly hurts. Yeah, I want to get into that big picture here in a little bit, but Dorian Finney-Smith is somebody whose name got thrown around a few times in the past week. And I think the main reason for that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just that he is the most appealing asset, quote unquote, the most interesting player and contract for teams especially teams within the top 10 or 15 of the league and it's almost uh inevitable that when trade talks start arising between the mavericks and other teams that he's just the name that inevitably is going to come up even if it's very unlikely that he actually moves at this deadline yeah well the trade season tends to move in cycles in a certain kind of way where you're you're your nice lead about how there shouldn't be a deadline well my, my counterpoint would be that without a deadline a lot of activity would just never happen and um december 15th is like a trigger date let's say where a lot of guys who sign in the off season are available to be moved and then teams start to call and start to canvas and start to have preliminary conversations and at that point in time when teams called the Mavericks, Dorian Finney-Smith was someone they were not willing to discuss at all. So when it comes around to... I mean, last Friday, so a week ago, was when I first started hearing teams say, um, hey, if you call Dallas, all of a sudden they're willing to talk about DFS. So um, I wasn't surprised to see that reported um, in a column on your website on Monday. Um, but the idea that like... They're trying to use him to get a star player. I'm not so certain that's the case. I think any deal that they would be hopefully in a hopeful theory uh, making to go get that type of star player, he's got 
somewhat of a significant salary to add, but the fact that he's on a very, 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 you know, considered value deal around the league, a four-year 55, obviously it's the player option um, in the fourth year, so it's really just a three-year contract, being that if he is so valued, he'll probably be able to um, get back into the market and get another deal, but he'll be 32 at that point, which is right where Jay Crowder is right now, and obviously there's some, um, you know, intangible stuff that's at you know, play with Crowder's situation, but there aren't a ton of people on the league looking to give contracts much bigger than the value he's at right now to players of that age. So who's to say if he actually will opt out, but at, at this juncture, he's just a player. A lot of teams would love to plug and play on their team. And he's also not, you know, playing as effectively, especially on the offensive side of the ball as he was a season ago. So I'm not expecting him to get traded. I'd be really, really surprised if he woke up on February 10th um, and Dorian Finney-Smith was in another uniform. But if like the Bulls made Zach Levine available, he would be in the offer. Like I can guarantee you that. If there was a player like that, an all-star caliber player, a player who can really move the needle for this Mavericks team that was available and Dorian Finney-Smith had to be put into the deal, the Mavericks would absolutely do it. First off, I love when people come on my podcast and just they don't do the thing. Is it okay to curse on this podcast? Because I want I want an environment where people come on my podcast and they're like, yeah, cursing's okay. We're just going to fucking do it. Exactly. Exactly. What what is the uh, the latest on Levine? Because that does seem kind of like a second tier of star has a lot of questions, doesn't have a great contract. Very much. um you know, very similar to the Christoph Porzingis deal in a lot of ways. If the Mavericks were to be able to make that trade, um, not saying it's likely this deadline or even this summer, um, but th- there are similarities there. Um, what have what have you heard? Uh, you know, just latest on him. I mean, the one obvious uh, not similarity is that he is a guard, and Kristaps is gigantic, and maybe it's proven scientifically. Maybe it's just. Um, a narrative in the ecosphere that big men are more and, and injured big men are more, you know, scary to have on, you know, the books for long-term money. Um, but I think with Zach, like, I don't believe he's going to be made available. doesn't seem like Chicago is willing to do anything that's going to dramatically shake things up there. But if they get, I mean, the stuff that's being discussed with OJ Ananobi in terms of, you know, Big big deals with you know I I have not really heard the three picks yet that's been kind of floating around but maybe at some point Chicago gets wind of what teams are willing to trade for OJ Ananobi and they decide hey let's actually try to steer some of that traffic to us but I'd be surprised I think maybe this summer there's more likelihood especially if things fall flat and they don't even make the play-in tournament, something like that. I mean, a lot of the, ch- the chatter that takes place around the league right now really just sets the groundwork for stuff to occur um, in the summer. Like, I wrote a profile on Calvin Booth recently, um, and Calvin told me, I guess it was, we, we talked during the G League showcase, but um, he told me that this time last year, the Nuggets and the Wizards were talking about a trade for KCP, and there was a deal that could have been done without Monty Morris's salary being done in it. But then, you know, it did get thrown in this summer and, and obviously Monty Morris is the starting point guard of the Washington Wizards, but that deal started to take place at the deadline. And even like the big fabled, I'm just uh, thinking of two things off the top of my head right now, like the big fabled Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce to Brooklyn deal. Like that started to be discussed at the deadline, Miami sending or, or trading for Kyle Lowry and a sign and trade started to be, to, to be talked about at the deadline. So we could see, 
I mean, that's something I just keep hearing that things are going to be discussed now and could actually come to fruition this summer. I think that might be the case, um, especially with teams that end up being trigger shy and like are still clutching their pearls and holding on to hope they can make the play in or make the playoffs. And then they realize they're not where they want it to be. Come June, they could decide to actually make some more fireworks. Profiling Calvin Booth is going back to your roots. You know, it is. He had a big moment in Dallas Mavericks history. A lot of just Mavericks detail in the Calvin Booth profile on Yahoo Sports. If anyone wants to check it out, we can uh, we can definitely link that. And I remember a lot of uh, GM assistant GM features from uh, a one Jake Fisher back in the day. When you say, like you said earlier, that the Mavericks were not willing to discuss uh, Dorian Finney Smith and are now open to having conversations about him. How would you characterize, you know, that distinction? Because this is a very common thing around the league that players go from not, you know, like we don't, we don't want to even, you know, theoretically kind of put their name in there and have a 30 minute combo about them. You know, how would you just describe how a team is thinking when they go from, you know, that stage to, okay, let's at least talk. I think it's as simple as, the Mavericks were at the top of the Western Conference or near the top of it, right, in December, and now they're not. And they've got Luka Doncic. And I don't want to say there's a fear in Dallas, but like they know they got to be proactive to build a winning team around this guy, or else at a certain point, it just comes with the territory. He's going to probably be looking elsewhere. So they want to be always, always, always proactive in building a team and supplanting him with as much talent as possible because this guy's a generational talent. Everyone watching him on a nightly basis knows it. And that's just kind of what the breaks are. And when you look at this roster, the, the best way to, to, you, you know, to get better in a trade, you have to give up something of value most of the time as well. And Dorian really is the most valuable player on this roster, not named Luka Doncic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There's one player we got to talk about before we do that when we're talking about value on this team in terms of, uh, you know, both player quality, but the contracts also that they're signed to. Is there any other names that, you know, get floated, have been floated around the league? I know Tim Hardaway Jr. there for a second was, but uh, some of that comes from the fact that he's on a declining scale contract, that he's a shooter and every team needs shooting. But at the same time, you know, he may be on a declining scale contract. He's also declining. 
just generally. And, you know, that is uh, a thing that affects one's value. Uh, Beyond that, Josh Green is a player that the Mavericks don't want to give up, um, you know, would be very hesitant to give up, probably has the most value on the team, maybe right up there with Josh Green. Yeah, I mean, mean, he'd be out the door in any type of Zach Levine type deal, too. Right, right. Um, is but that's the thing, and and this came up on a on a previous podcast when I podcasted earlier this week. It's just that you know when it comes to players that other teams want, Mavericks players that other teams want, there's not that many. Yeah, Christian Wood is a name that people are curious about, but the same reasons why, and the I mean, no offense to any of Christian Wood's largest supporters out there. But I did not list him as their second best player, second most valuable player, because I think the defensive concerns that the coaching staff has are ubiquitous around the league. And, you know, he's going to be clearly searching for a big payday. Someone who's been looking for that payday all along. And um, I just, so much of the transaction cycle and the transaction history of this league is sparked by upcoming paydays the fact that someone is an expiring contract or they could choose to not uh, pick up their player option and get into the market and the number that they are willing to command or are looking for if it doesn't match up with what his incumbent team thinks like that guy's probably going to leave so or it'll probably get moved elsewhere not saying that's the the tried and true situation with christian wood i think there are scenarios where dallas brings him back um i don't I haven't heard a ton of I haven't heard anything about him right now to be honest like I haven't heard teams calling for Christian Wood um so I don't know but I think ultimately like there's just like we've been saying there's just not a ton of talent on this roster that other teams are commanding I mean the whole Cam Reddish uh, Reggie Bullock thing like I, I heard that as well um but like you're not doing that deal Cam Reddish is on the outs of the NBA right now so I just, I really don't see a ton of traction for something that's going to dramatically shift the the tides of this Maverick season. If I'm being honest, and right. I'm being honest, I've been, I've been honest this whole time. <laughs> I, I would hope so. It's uh, it's part of the job. My understanding is the Mavericks are have definitely spent some of the past few days and weeks gauging what Christian Wood's value is. I, the problem is, I just don't think it's any more than what it was when they traded for him, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but. It's, it's kind of what you said. Value is not just what you can do on the court, but it's what you can do on the court for how many years your contract runs or how much money you're looking to be resigned for, which is the case of Christian Wood this summer. Um, it's also contextual. Like, uh, I think the worst thing you can be in the NBA right now if you're trying to get a big payday is a scoring big who isn't, is not a defensive anchor. Teams have seen that that is not a player or a archetype to spend 20 plus million on. And I, I think that if the Mavericks can't get a deal done, what they're probably going to do is go into the summer and have a belief that he's probably not going to get a huge offer and that will allow them to resign him. But that could backfire. You know, it only takes one team. And then, you know, even though it's a very different situation for Jalen Brunson, I don't think it's nearly as bad if they were to go into the summer and Christian Wood just walked. Um, it would call back to the Jalen Brunson situation where the quote unquote second best 
uh, player on a team, you know, for the second straight summer walked away from Dallas, even if uh, there's more debate whether Christian Wood is that, um, despite what his agent might say. Yeah. Your words, not mine. <laughs> um, do you think that's a fair summation of kind of just how value is assigned, though? Yeah. And why I- his is a bit lower or or hasn't increased from what the Mavericks traded, which was salary filler and a late first round pick. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think he has like exceeded their expectations. Um, He has done exactly, I think what Dallas was hoping he would do be someone that could provide some offensive firepower, some, some stretch, you know, pick and pop shooting um, to kind of add different dynamic to, all Luca's high screen action as opposed to uh, the lob threat that their, you know, intending starting center JaVale McGee was supposed to be on a nightly basis. So that, that to me was the idea that it seemed like Dallas had, right? They were going to have this big lob pick and roll threat in the starting lineup and they'd come off the bench with Christian Wood and mix it up and have you know, Christian can roll a little bit and make and play make there. But it's really, you know, mostly I think weaponized as a pick and pop player. And, you know, attacking closeouts because he's got some nice agility and speed at his size by comparison. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's the defense. I think, um, you know, for someone that, that, that posts, I mean, there's so much to be said in these contract negotiations about player comparisons by statistics. And he, he does post numbers and permanent numbers that are in line for, you know, a 20 plus million dollar salary that no right. team I think can look at Christian Wood or his representation and say that that's an unrealistic ask. But I agree. Yeah. I also don't know how many teams are going to be willing to pay that just because what your value is, what you're worth, what you could be paid is different than what you actually do. Same thing with teams, you know, is OG Ananobi worth four first round picks? No, but could he draw that depending on how well Toronto can keep stirring up this pot? I don't think so either, but like they end up getting three picks or three picks in a swap or two picks and two swaps or whatever. Like there's a, there are diverging things there for what your actual value is, what your actual worth is and what you're able to to sign on the bottom line. Because what he does on the court is harder to find and fits better with a championship team that with the championship ideal that, that teams are trying to build. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the big question here, and and it's, you know, it brings together everything that we talked about. The moment the draft ends, the Mavericks are going to have four of their own future first rounders that they can trade up. They're starting to talk about players like Dorian Finney-Smith. It's clear that they are wanting a, you know, 1B superstar to put next to Luka. And yet, we keep talking more about players like Zach Levine who are more 2A players, players with questions, players with big contracts. I think if somebody like Pascal Siakam were to become available, um, I just don't think the Mavericks are, have the, um, have the offer to become, uh, to be competitive with a player like that. um, Because there are teams that are just sleeping and being patient and have these uh, stockpiles of picks and still have young players as well. Um, that would jump at the opportunity of, you know, to trade for a player like that. And so I guess my question here is, 
like what does the landscape of the league look like when you know how many teams out there and there's a couple obvious ones Oklahoma City Utah but how many of these teams are actually waiting and waiting and just buying time until one of these players that every team in the league would want becomes available and what does that say about Dallas and their ability to be competitive um, in that market yeah I mean New York will be there for sure right we just saw it this summer as well yeah the team I mean one team may take themselves out of the running by going after OG Ananobi, right? Like Atlanta kind of took themselves out of the running for any team by going after DeJounte Murray. Same thing with Minnesota. I mean, OKC, people are starting to... It's just quiet. This is just a quiet little little thing that people talk about. Like, they're pretty damn good right now. They're going to have another, you know, lottery pick and Chet Holmgren coming back next season. They'll have more draft capital. I mentioned Siakam because that's just like, is that not the exact player they would go after if you were to come, become available? The Thunder got a ton of picks. Like, yep. Could they just, at a certain opportunity, go pounce? Maybe. Who's to say? So, I mean, New Orleans has a ton, and they've got young, proven players like Herb Jones and Najee Marshall. Or, excuse me, Trey, Trey Murphy. Najee Marshall's like the name right now that's kind of being thrown out because I think they're like more willing to trade those two guys for bigger fish um so uh, in terms of like who could outbid though all this stuff comes down to the moment though right like we don't know what's going to happen between now and the draft i mean these teams don't know it's so funny to me when fans like come on my show or i see in the comments like well this guy doesn't know what's going to happen like no no the the teams don't know what's going to happen like we're only making just like when your financial manager tells you oh you know invest in this stock like this is gonna be a winner like he doesn't know for sure they're all making projections based off of educated guesses um i mean apparently the nfl sends out a script before every season you're saying (laughs) the nba does not do that no but what i am saying (laughs) is that so much of this is going to be contextual and about timing and like what if something happens in the playoffs and like all of a sudden trey young wants out of atlanta or you know Damon wants out of port. I, I'm just throwing random things. I'm not. I'm not saying these are sourced or they're gonna. Ha- it just the opportunity. Like, like at a certain point last summer, everyone was moving on and not really thinking Donovan Mitchell was gonna be available. And then all of a sudden, he was. Like, I I remember I was on. I was leaving. It was my last night in Vegas summer league, and I was hanging out with some people, and they told me like the Jazz really like Colin Sexton, and. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then um like later in the night someone said to me, Yeah, like there's there's some talk that like Donovan could actually be like discussed now. And then like the next day it was just out. Everyone was talking about it. It got reported left and right and boom. So like all summer league, everyone was kinda like feet up on the couch, off season's over, and all of a sudden Donovan's on, on the on the on the block. And then even then, like people thought it was New York, New York, New York. So no one was really like elbowing their way in there too too hard and then cleveland gets them like it's just sometimes the timing and i just did this story about trade requests and the accuracy it was a good story thank you sir um and like you just the 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 price points are always changing like we're not going to be in an era where every superstar gets traded for multiple unprotected picks and swaps like like a guarantee like Kawhi Leonard only got traded for DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl and a first rounder. Jimmy Butler only got traded for uh from Minnesota to Philadelphia for Dario Saric, Robert Covington, someone else and like a second round pick. Like 
Who's to say? Who's to say? Last question here, and we'll let you get back to making a million phone calls that you will continue doing. Um, Thank you. What is now now a, a year and a half into Nico Harrison being GM of the Mavericks? What would you say broadly the view of him, the Mavs front office, and the way they operate is around the league? Yeah, I think there have been other agent types like Nico wasn't an agent exactly right but he wasn't a front office you know lifer I think of those types of guys who have been hired as front office executives because of their quote-unquote player relations and their ability to attract stars in theory um, he's been one that I've heard has been viewed as a, a very cool customer if you will someone who um, relies on the people in his office when he needs to and as someone who has kind of taken the position in stride. So um, like there are definitely front offices that other teams talk about. It's like, I don't know who's in charge there. I don't know who to, who to call. Like their evaluate, you'll hear a different answer from that team, depending on, you know, what they say. And Dallas, I think has a pretty clear hierarchy um, and they have a pretty clear goal and they've kind of been, you know, we've, we've been discussing at length here, how they're not in the most advantageous position, but I think um, I think the respect level is strong enough, and people are also are looking at Dallas as you know a team just to keep an eye on in the coming years of you know making a big move because they are motivated and they seem to have a front office that's capable of of dreaming up these types of scenarios. So we'll see what they're able to accomplish. Yeah, he was brought in to bring a level of top down structure similar to the what he had at Nike, and I think no matter what influences he's dealing with whoever you know who is making the decisions it is unquestionable that he has been able to implement that and i think that's been a positive for dallas but on that note uh i appreciate it jake and we'll let you get out of here Um, thank you man yeah listeners thanks for listening we'll be back next week see you then plays fortnite just like me i am 34 Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, too bad. (laughs) But...